All right. Thank you, Ron, Star, Tom. It's just awesome to see all of you here today. I want to welcome you this morning, all of you who are watching online. It's just a great day to come and worship God together. We're in a series here at Hope called We Are Family. Come on, don't you go? Yeah, see that? Don't you want to sing it? I mean, yeah, we want to sing it. Uh, we're, we're excited, though, really, that you've joined us on this journey as we look at one of our core foundational values. And it's the idea that church is a family. And last week, we were looking at Ephesians 2, and we saw how God not only saves us, but he puts us in a family. He connects us to the strength of a spiritual community, which is just super cool. Uh, see, Satan wants to isolate us, but God wants to put us in a family. And that's what the church is. The church is a family. And I just think with everything that's going on in the world today, that has never been more important to be connected with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. We need the strength of community. We need a spiritual family. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this series is because it's never been more important to dial in and connect with your spiritual family. And so the question is today is, all right, we're a family. Okay. You know, we are family. I can sing that. We can sing that. Um, but what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to live in a spiritual family? And, and some of us here today, you come from an amazing family and you have this sense of what family's all about or, or maybe you grew up and, and your family was a little bit more of an unhealthy family. But I think we all know today that at the heart of family is love. It's a love that serves and cares for others. And that's what family is all about. And so guys, I think it's one thing for us to gather together and kind of say we are family, which we are. But it's a whole other thing, isn't it? To actually live that out as a spiritual family. And what is going to define us as a spiritual family is how we love and serve one another. One of our, our family's favorite, uh, absolute all-time favorite TV shows is called The Middle. Have any of you ever seen The Middle? I love The Middle. Uh, the Middle is about this family, the Hex, and you, the, their names are crazy. I mean, you got Mike, then Frankie, that's the, the mother, um, Axel, Sue, and Brick. And they live in Orson, Indiana. And if, it, it really is this kind of hilarious and honest take on, on being a family and what, what being in a family can be like, which is why we love the show. Um, but if you've ever, ever seen the show, Frankie, the mother, she has something that, that she says throughout all the seasons. Uh, she says, you do for family. Mike, you do for family. And, and that's the essence of what the middle is about. And, and, and you do, right? That's what family is all about. You do for family. You know, when, you're, when your daughter wants to go drive two hours to the American Girl outlet in Hershey, PA, you do for family. When my wife is going to make some extra cash for us by teaching English to Chinese students at 6 a.m., I think there's some days she th she's thinking, you know what? I guess you do for family. When you have a family member who loves to cut their crust a certain way, you do for family. When an adult child calls and, and is enlisting your help, you do for family. And a lot of you here at Hope, you do for family. 
And that's why you give, and that's why you serve, and that's why some of you are taking on bigger responsibilities and more responsibilities, is because we're a family, and we do for family. I want you to um, hear how Paul talks about this. What does it mean to live as a spiritual family? Listen to how the Apostle Paul answers this question in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. This is what he says. He says, you, my brothers and sisters. You hear that family language? Normally we kind of roll over that, but we are in a series on being a spiritual family. So I just want to highlight, this is all over the New Testament. We are a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says, you, church family, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So we go, wow, we are a family. God has set us free. And what I want to show you today, what I want to talk about today is that, that God has set us free to love and serve one another. And so we want to look at that. We want to look at our freedom to love and serve one another. We want to look at why we don't. And then I want to share with you one powerful question that's going to unlock a world of possibilities for loving and serving other people all around you. Does that sound good? All right, so let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are our Father, a Father who loves us. Um, no matter what we do, um, you loved us enough to die on a cross for our sins. And so, God, we, we pray today that you would forgive us for um, all the ways, God, that, um, that we, we sin, we, we um, disconnect ourselves from you in so many ways. That we just want to thank you, God, that you love us to, um, because of your son, Jesus. And I pray today as we look at this idea of family, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to love and serve one another. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at this idea of family. What does it mean to be a family? What does it mean to be a church family? And what I want to do today is I want to plant our flag a little bit again. I replant that flag that here at Hope, here in our family, we love and we serve one another. That's who we are. It's a family value. It's a family rule. <laughs> we love and we serve one another here at Hope. That's who we are. It's what we're about. Um, it's how you know we're a family, because we're loving and serving one another. And Paul seems to capture this idea in Galatians 5.13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And even in just this short line, this short statement, Paul is reiterating some major themes from the book of Galatians. Paul, as he's writing this letter to a new group of believers has actually, throughout the letter, been emphasizing two powerful truths. The first one is, we're a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're one. We're all together. We're one body, one family, all of us, all together. It's one of the themes of Galatians. And number two, we're free. We are not, right, we're not saved by the works of the law. It's a big theme in Galatians. We're not under the law. Right? These believers are not trying to earn their way back 
to God. They've stepped into this groundbreaking freedom that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. In the cross, we have been set free. Jesus broke the power of sin. It's not by our works that we're saved, but by trusting in Jesus Christ. And that is how we get freedom and forgiveness. Every chain is broken. Uh, every, every debt canceled. Every fear is gone. It's what Paul calls the glorious freedom of the children of God. And you and I have been called into that freedom. We are free in Christ. That's one of the themes of Galatians. And then Paul goes on to say, look what he says next. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I want you to understand, Paul says, that Jesus has set you free. But I want you to understand that this is not a freedom to indulge the flesh. It's not a freedom to live for you. It's a freedom to serve others. And just like Jesus humbled himself by going to a cross to love and serve us, he says, I want you to humbly love and serve other people. We've been set free in Christ to love and serve others. In fact, this teaching goes all the way back to Jesus, doesn't it? Right? In some of Jesus' teachings, uh, we, we, we think about, you know, John 13, Jesus is gathering his disciples together and um, he, he takes, he humbles himself like a servant. He takes the towel and he begins to wash his disciples' feet, which is a powerful picture of, of the cross. And after washing his disciples' feet, this is what he says. He says, um, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have humbled myself to cleanse you, to wash you, as I've given my life for you on a cross in love for you, even so, now you go and love one another. And in these powerful words, we get a vision for what is going to make Jesus and his family so attractive to the world. In fact, Jesus says, by this, Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that amazing? Here's this thing called love, this powerful thing that is going to be an unstoppable force within the world because of the family of Jesus living this out. And we know the story. Right? Acts 2 church, Jesus dies, he rises from the dead. Holy Spirit de descends on believers. The church is born. People are devoting themselves to Jesus and to one another. And almost immediately they begin serving each other and laying down their lives for one another. Listen to this. This is amazing. It just blows my mind as we get this picture of the early church here in Acts 2. And Just listen to this. It says, All the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes. It's large group worship, small group fellowship. We're still doing that. 
And it says they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you see it here? Those early Christians, they had something. Something about this community that was powerful and attractive. More and more people are coming to be a part of this community. Call it family, call it a freedom of loving and serving one another. The world had never seen anything like this. And I'll just give you one story. This story comes from Rodney Stark in his book, The Triumph of Christianity. And back in the second and the third centuries, there were a series of pandemics that rolled through the Roman Empire. And I actually think that it was the very first appearance of smallpox. And so, so this was the first time people were being exposed to this, and because of that, many people got sick. In, in some towns, the, they said uh, it could be in a, a quarter to a third of the population would have died. Can you imagine? I mean, that's, that's a pretty devastating plague. And, and people started staying away from each other, um, you know, not wanting to get sick. Those who were sick would be abandoned and left to die. No one wanted to care for them. The physicians at the time left for the countryside because they didn't want to get sick. The, the priests of the Roman gods, oh man, I could just use some prayer, go to the temple, whatever. Uh-uh. All the priests left the city. People were being left to suffer and, and die. Um, but do you guys know who stuck around to care for the sick? It was the Christians. It was the Christians. Undaunted by the dangers of caring for those who are sick and dying, they began to serve the sick, the needy, like they were their very own So amazed were the pagan neighbors, because this really was dangerous work. They were so amazed. One church leader, at the time he's writing, he says, These, the people would just look around at the Christians, and they, they, would say, they would say this. They would say, see how they love one another. And that's what people are saying about the Christians. They say, see how they love one another. And if you want to know how the church grew from a small band of followers of Christ to being the faith of the Roman Empire, it's because some Christians decided to treat people like family in the midst of a pandemic. And that's our story. And I love this story because it raises the bar for me. It raises the bar on my life. And, and it really does remind me that in turbulent times, like we're living through right now, like this pandemic and, and the unraveling of, you know, it seems like the unraveling of democracy and all of that in these turbulent times, we really can, church family, make a difference in this world by loving and serving one another. In fact, it's one of the most powerful things we can do. And wouldn't it be amazing if our neighbors looked around at us and said, hey, Hope Community Church, you see how they love us and how they love one another. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's a church that really does believe. Here in this family, we love and we serve. It's actually the heart of this house. We want to be a caring place where God transforms lives.
And I just got to believe today that the world is looking for a group of people who will do that. I just got to believe our neighbors, our friends, our family members, they're looking for a community like this. In fact, Paul says, we have been set free for this very reason. So I guess the question is, who we're called to be? We're called to be free. So why don't we? Why don't we? And as I was thinking about this this week, I mean, the truth is, we battle our own flesh with this, don't we? Every time we have an opportunity to serve, we battle the flesh. I mean, the flesh, we talk about our flesh. Our flesh does not want to love and serve. It is an inward battle. When we think about the flesh, we, you know, maybe you're like, the flesh, what is that? We'll talk about that. We'll define that. That's a Bible term. But when I think about the flesh, I think about my, you know, the flesh, my skin. And uh, my wife, she's always putting lotion on her skin. I don't. I don't know the point, you know, like what's lotion? What's that about? Um, not really my thing. Even when we lived in a very dry climate like Colorado and we have these harsh, dry winters, even then, you know, my hands would be cracked and bleeding, and I'm like, you know what? I don't need this stuff. I don't need lotion. One time, I went to the doctor, and she took a look at my hands. This is winter. You know, they're dry. They're cracked. She's like, oh. She's like, what? She's like, look at your hands. She goes, you have dragon hands. And she's like going on about, you know, put some lotion on, and you're going to have permanent damage, and yeah, and, and all this. I didn't hear any of it. All I heard was, I've got dragon hands. <laughs> That's right. I got dragon hands. So I went home and Andrew's like, what, what did the doctor tell you? I was like, she told me I had dragon hands. <laughs> and she's like, don't encourage this guy. She's like, put some lotion on your hands. So let's get back to the flesh. You ever have somebody ask you to do something you didn't want to do? Kids, maybe it was your mom, or your boss, or your husband, or something like that. If you ever have somebody ask you to do something you want, don't want to do. The other day, I was getting the kids ready for bed, and Angie goes, hey, why don't you put some lotion on your kids? And I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, I don't do lotion. We had a little conversation. It turns out I actually do keep lotion. <laughs> turns out. Wow. <laughs> Get these opportunities to love and serve others, right? And what's the first thing we battle? Oh, it's this flesh, right? It's this, I call it belligerent Brian. I don't want to do this. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I don't do this. I don't do whatever. It's not for me. And my wife's like, no, we're a family. You don't get to say you don't do anything. <laughs> right? You do for family. And I think so often we have these opportunities to serve and almost immediately we battle the flesh. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5.13. says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. I was just thinking about this. It is true. Right? We're free. You get your freedom. You have your moment of freedom. What's the very first thing you want to do? 
oh man, if I could just like sit down and kind of like watch some Netflix or whatever, like the first thing we want to do when we get some freedom is to indulge our flesh a little bit. What's our flesh? Right? The flesh in the Bible is talking about more than just wanting to relax. The flesh really in Scripture is our sinful self. Our flesh is our sin nature. Right? It's the part of us that does not want to love and serve others. And I know my sinful heart. And I know that it, it, my sinful heart really only cares about me. And, and really, I'm better at making excuses than making time. And that's my sin nature. That's my flesh. That's my belligerent Brian. And what Paul says is Jesus gave his life on a cross to set us free. And he's called us to freedom. But let's not use our freedom to indulge the flesh. Aren't you guys, Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. I'm sorry, I don't do crosses. I'm so glad he didn't say that. I'm so glad Jesus gave his life for me so that I could be free. And he gave us that freedom, not so that we can indulge ourselves, indulge our sinful flesh, but so that we can do what he did and give our life in loving and serving others. But isn't it amazing, even with Jesus setting us free, even with the Holy Spirit, we still battle the flesh, don't we? There's still that battle. And Paul describes that battle as he goes on in Galatians 5. If you're there, we're going to be in 16 and 18 here. This is what Paul says. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not excuse me, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's Paul saying? He's saying it's a battle. The Spirit's battling the flesh. The flesh is battling the Spirit. But then he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can win that battle. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in victory. Paul goes on to say, Galatians 5, 24 and 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. It's, it's dead, so let it die. He's crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And so I just say today is that it's be aware how your body reacts to those opportunities to love and serve others. Because so many times we're going to battle the flesh, just like I do. My flesh doesn't want to love and serve. But here's what's so amazing. The Holy Spirit is going to help us win this battle. And what Scripture says is if we live with the Holy Spirit, let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to leave you today with something that's going to help you love and serve others and Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the thing that, that's going to blow all this up, our flesh, all that, is, is something powerful and wonderful. And it's a single question. And here's what it is. Look around and ask what needs to be done. Look around and ask what can I do to help? What needs to be done? What can I do to help? 
How can I leverage who I am and all God has given me for you? Look around. What can I do to help? Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. If you want a heart of love and service, it's so simple. You just begin to look around and go, what needs to be done? What can I do to help? It's a powerful, powerful question. Look around. It's the idea of antenna up. Something we talk about here a lot, antenna up. Keeping my antenna up, my spiritual antenna for the needs of others around me. I'm looking around. God, what can I do to make a difference in the lives of people around me? My antenna's up to my neighbors. My antenna's up to my coworkers, my family. Antenna up. Look around and ask, what can I do to help? What needs to be done? Children, listen. High school and middle school children, I'm telling you, your parents are going to have to pick themselves up off of the floor. And I would encourage you today, at some point this afternoon, Mom, Dad, what needs to be done? Saying, oh, no, no, they're going to think, oh, you just heard that at church. I don't care. You, Mom, Dad, what needs to be done? I'm telling you. They're going to be so shocked and stunned. They're, just going to be a, they're not going to know how to respond. Mom, what needs to be done? Dad, what needs to be done? Or better yet, just look around and see what needs to be done. Lydia did that the other day. She just cleaned up a ton of toys. Even word even hurts. She got everything off the floor. Remember, our jaw was still on the ground. <laughs> Who are you? Look around and ask what needs to be done. It's the power of this question. Look around at work. Hey, boss, what needs to be done? Get the same response. People don't treat each other this way. But it's what we're learning in the family of Jesus, isn't it? Husbands and wives. Hey, babe, what needs to be done? What if we did that every single day? Just looked for one opportunity every single day to ask, what can I do to help? For most marriages, just this would be a game changer. How about in our neighborhood? Isn't that tangible kingdom? Talked about tangible kingdom. It's what it's all about. I just imagine what would happen if we began driving around our neighborhoods going, what needs to be done in my neighborhood? What can I do to help? And even better, what if we began to leverage our small group, our family of Jesus, to help serve the needs of people around us? Wouldn't people in this neighborhood begin to go, hey, see those Christians? See how they love one another? That's the vision. See, we want to be a church that loves and serves one another. And this is the question that's going to help us do it. Look around and ask what needs to be done. See, the church I see, the church we see, is a church that loves and serves one another. And uh, I want to invite you today. Look around. Look around hope and just ask, hey, what needs to be done? What can I do to help?
I want to be a part of this family. I want to serve this family. I want to see more lives changed by Jesus Christ. I want to see more people coming to Christ. I want to see my friends come to Christ. I want to see my family come to Christ. Jesus saved me. He's changed me. He's given me a family. What can I do to help? What needs to be done? And uh, it is an exciting time right now to jump, involve, jump in and get involved here at Hope. You know, a lot of the ministries that have been pared down by COVID-19, coming back, coming back, we're reopening things. There's going to be more opportunities to serve. Today, you saw more people up front. We're going to see more and more people serving here at Hope in the, the days and weeks and months ahead. And it's just an exciting time. And uh, we, we as elders, we're, we're joyful. And our hearts are full of gratitude because of the ways this church family loves and serves each other. So on behalf of all of us, we just want to say thank you for your partnership in this ministry. We want to ask that you would continue to serve alongside of us in so many ways that are absolutely essential to our operation. And just very practically, you know, there's a lot right now that you can jump in and get involved. Um, Star's working on getting a team together so we can reopen our children's ministry. We want to get our worship team back. It's a call out for singers and musicians. We're, we want to get our youth ministry back. Um, Drew, Drew's training people to work back in tech. And um, it's just so exciting. Tom, Tom's putting together his team of ushers and greeters. If you are interested in facilities or um, landscaping or, or just little projects, you know, you can talk to Ed. I mean, the list goes on and on with teachers and small group leaders and so many more. Guys, this is our heart. This is our family. And here at Hope, we see a family that loves and serves one another. That's who we are. And today, we plant that flag in the ground. And I just want to invite you, wherever you're at, I begin to ask this question. What can I do to help? Change your life, change the lives of people around you. Let me pray. I'll invite Ron to come up. Heavenly Father, thanks for the gift of a church family, and the gift of your Holy Spirit. And I know so many times, God, I am not aware of the needs around me, or my flesh is just, um, I'm battling my flesh. And so I just want to thank you that Jesus has set us free. Thank you for crucifying that flesh, God. And today we want to let that die. And we pray that we would rise up as a community, um, just, like, just like long ago, those early Christians, God, Help us in these difficult days uh, where there, there's so many um, challenges around us. Help us to be the church, not just for ourselves, but for a world that needs Christ. Um, we give you our, our hearts. We give you our lives. We surrender today to you. Um, thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. So we just want to give our lives to you, and, and thank you for your Holy Spirit so that we can do that. Um, we just thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.